right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it is a live episode that we just recorded last week at Maya Cinemas here in Las Vegas. And we have a great lineup of guests to talk about Christopher Nolan's latest film, Oppenheimer. And you've probably heard me talk about Nolan on the show a bunch in the past, and I've you know, a, bit, a little bit shaky on his career over the years. I know everybody loves him so much, and I don't always connect with his films, but I loved this one, and we had a great time talking about it. My guests for the episode are Chris Cranock, Brian Garth, and M.N. Miller, all three returning guests to the show, uh, but all three their first time being on one of the live ones, so it was awesome having them, and we had a great turnout, uh, really fun time out there at Maya Cinema's. We'll be doing another one soon. Uh, but yeah, we got that coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, with bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and my music career. Lots of great stuff over there, so check it out. And one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to the episode, uh, you know, I do these Enter to Win contests to, uh, you know, give out some free tickets to these shows. And one of the people who won a ticket to the show and who came out over there at Maya Cinemas last week, uh, it was his first time in a movie theater since 2017. And I just think that is so cool that we got somebody back out to the movies. That's always been, if you read the show notes of these Piecing It Together episodes, the bottom of the show notes, every episode says, keep going to the movies because that's what I love. And so uh, I'm just so excited that we got somebody who hadn't been out for a while back out to the movie theater. So keep going to movie theaters, everybody. And let's get to our conversation on Oppenheimer. So that was a heavy movie, but uh, we're going to talk about it now. And uh, I'm David Rosen, the host of Piecing It Together podcast. We're going to take a look at the movie we just watched through the lens of what other movies might have inspired it. And joining me today, we're going to go down the line here. Uh, first up, we've got M.N. Miller, a film critic, Ready, Steady, Cut, a bunch of other online sources. M.N. Miller, say hello to the people. Hi, people. <laughs> you actually have seen this already. You saw it two days ago. Yeah, yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. Twice in two days. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Are you, are you like uh, feeling very weighed down by the the weight of everything that's just happened? No, I think today like reaffirmed my thoughts of how yeah. great a movie it is. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Chris Cranock is next to him right there, a filmmaker from here in Las Vegas. Chris, introduce yourself. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm Chris, like Dave said. Yeah. That's that's Chris right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, we, we talked a lot before, uh, you know, doing this about mm -hmm. both of us are a little wishy-washy on Nolan. What, yeah. Did you did you feel like this was I, a good one? Yeah, Return Bastards. to Form. Yeah. I think it was great. Right yeah, on. I really enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, I'll, have, I'll save more of my criticism, my positive criticism, my critique yeah. uh, via the uh, a puzzle piece. But okay. yeah, overall, I thought it was awesome. I loved it, yeah. All right. That's an exciting place to start from. Yeah. Brian Garth on the end there hey, from dude. the band Black Camaro, sure. one of my first guests on this podcast way back in the day. Cool. How you doing, Brian? I'm Wonderful. Thanks for uh, inviting me back on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad to have you on. I I, uh, I looked it up your last time on Piecing It Together, right before the pandemic, Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> wow. Are you excited about that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I hold firm on everything I said positively it, about that film. I, I'm sure. I don't know how much I remember about that film, but right. we, it's we, exactly my point. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, for those of you here who have never listened to Piecing It Together before, uh, what I like to do at these live ones is kick it off with a, we call them puzzle pieces, which are other movies or TV shows or some kind of media that might have inspired the movie we just watched. And uh, I always like to kind of take one off the table and just throw it out there for the crowd immediately, just so you kind of get an idea of what it is we do here. And uh, for, for this movie, Oppenheimer, the one that I had kind of settled on before even seeing it, just based off the trailer and based off of what the movie is itself, uh, I was going to go with The Imitation Game from 2014 with Benedict Cumberbatch as a uh, mathematician who, during World War II, uh, really advanced things technologically for the sake of code breaking and uh, computing. And it also spent as much time dealing with his personal life and the, the goings-on of everything that this person was going through at that time as they were making these kind of groundbreaking uh, wartime, uh, you know, advancements. So starting with that, uh, you know, let's go down the line. Imitation Game, fan of that movie? Oh, loved it. Yeah? yeah it didn't spend quite as much time on yeah. this per. This one really breathes. But Th this one does. Yeah. I mean, we've got three hours to breathe. So, sure. you know. Because so. yeah, he, you know, Chris is saving cinema. Yeah. He could do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> what about you, uh, VG, over there? Oh, yeah. I thought that one spent probably more time on the, his personal life than this one did. I thought this one was pretty well balanced, right? Like mm -hmm. the project as well as personal life. Imitation game. Yeah. Was pretty much more about his personal life and throwing the cool code breaking stuff and the funny gadget, I thought. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love that film, though. I thought, I mean, I didn't realize I loved it until I saw it a second time. I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I, I actually like this I feel film. the same way. I, I really yeah. like it. Right. Yeah, I actually I grew to like it even more yeah. after I saw it a few times. Right on. I think you're right, though, about the persecution. Yeah. Imitation game and, and particularly in Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're both, uh, you know, they're both films that deal with what the person's going through, both from their personal life and from the consequences of the thing that they're working on and, and the war that they're working in. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what we're going to be doing here. And then we're going to go uh, down the line here and get into some other puzzle pieces. And then we'll open it up and see if anybody in the audience has any puzzle oh. pieces. But let's uh, let's kick well, it off Real right quick, here. those two also star really dreamy, like, UKers. That is right. true. With beautiful eyes. I was eyes. just going to say, oh. That's the one, they're beautiful eyes. I think that's the same as well. Benedict Cumberbatch and Cillian Murphy? Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous man. So it, it's about. a good thing we had three hours just staring right, into those is eyes. Killian, is he Irish? Is Cillian or Killian? Uh, yeah, I'm Irish, Killian, right? Did I say Cillian? Killian, is I think it's Irish? I said Cillian. So not quite UKers, Killian, but you know, if any Irish people are in here, they're going to be really pissed. <laughs> but people in that part of the globe, I should say. Yeah. And also very spicy men. Yes, very, very spicy. I'm moving on, sorry. All right, okay. Uh, M.M. Miller, what do you got for your first piece here? The Social Network. Okay. Um, for one, I think both people kind of ruin the world. <laughs> yeah, there so, you go. That so is with the invention of social media. <laughs> so Zuckerberg is less of a hero, though, than a yeah. Oppenheimer. But yeah. that's kind of my interpretation. That Also, because you mentioned how the, the script writing for Nolan. Yeah. This one had like a dialogue, almost like Sorkin, in a couple pieces of parts here, mm. particularly Damon and uh, Murphy going back and forth. Sure. I was really impressed with that. Yeah, those were some of the most fun moments of the film because oh, like a, great. Yeah, yeah, it, Damon, it is yeah. such a heavy movie, but whenever yeah. Damon was on screen, I mean, you know, hit or miss sometimes with some of the stuff he's done in the past, but mm -hmm. like he is just really on fire. From there. the trailer, I was really worried he was going to overact the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very, very much nonstop, yeah. like a Sorkin yeah. piece, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
totally. Yeah. So that's a great one. And yeah, uh, definitely some Sorkin in there and uh, Social Network. Uh, great piece to kick it off with. Chris, what do you got for your first? Well, kind of, I wasn't going to say this one first, but I'll kind of go off of what you're saying about the script and how it has this kind of fast paced. I was going to say uh, A Hidden Life by, mm -hmm. uh, by Terrence oh, wow. Malick. Okay. Uh, because I think Nolan's kind of flirting with Malachy territory with this not a strict three-act structure, doesn't have conventional scenes. They're really kind of fast-paced. It's almost a montage style of movie telling, and I think it's because he has these very ambitious structures. So he's blending scenes together, and music kind of carries them. It almost feels like a big trailer. And not, that's not a criticism. That's not a negative thing. It's just the kind of style I think he's flirting with. And that was something that Malick really has been doing most of his career, but on his comeback films like Thin Red Line and Tree of Life. And then I, I picked Hidden Life because it has the World War II Nazi element. So kind of, I think Nolan's flirting with a Malachy kind of, you know, um, like a kind of a quilt, a quilt effect style of, of storytelling and, uh, and the war. Great piece. Let's move on to Brian Garth's first piece. Uh, my first piece, the first thing that came to mind, the uh, Good Night, Good Luck. Obviously, the... Oh, great um, one. Straight Darren, Straight Darren, David Straight Darren. Mm -hmm. I, I hope I'm saying that dude's name right. Um, communist witch hunt. Though I, I'd say that they probably had a slight, I don't know, justification for this type of inquiry, but um, not really. But you know what I'm saying? I, sure. I, it re really reminded me of that. Interestingly, I remember uh, that Straight Darren actually played Oppenheimer in a TV movie in the 90s. Oh, that's, yeah. 80s yeah. or 90s. Yeah. And I thought that was, it's interesting. I don't know if there's a, even a connection there, but well, I, I won't mention that one for the sake of not stealing a second sure. puzzle piece, but. Yeah, uh, that is yeah, an interesting night, connection luck. though, for sure. And and yeah, that's a great piece. And I haven't seen that since it first came out. Did it have a lot of back and forth, like timeline wise? I'm kind of remembering that. No, no. It, it, it really, it, I mean, it was all black and white, obviously. Yeah, um, sure. To kind of create that vibe, and who's that? Was that Clooney? Clooney. Yeah. Clooney. George yeah. Clooney yeah. made that probably his film. best director. And uh, yeah, am I tripping? Was Robert Downey Jr. in that film? Now that's a good question. I can't remember. But uh, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely um, similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, no, that's a good one. Absolutely. Uh, I'll go to another piece here. Uh, you know, I usually try to stick to mostly movies, but we do throw in some TV shows here and there. And uh, I'm going with Breaking Bad for my first puzzle piece here. Sure. Um, I mean, you got this guy who's just obsessed with the fact that he can do something and it kind of allows him to kind of get swept away by the possibilities of that and uh, taking it in a, uh, you know, a bad direction, basically. And uh we got a little bit of Walter White, I feel like, in the way Heisenberg. that... And yeah. a little bit of Heisenberg. And, yeah, yeah, a little bit of Heisenberg in there, too. So, uh, yeah, just a little bit of that and just, like, the smartest guys in the room getting swept up in their their own possibilities and believing in their own shit, so... Oh. Mm. Very autobiographical, perhaps. No. Some, some dangerous hubris. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about uh, Christopher Nolan now, I believe. Is that <laughs> I right? Don't know. Wow. Look between the lines, Dave. <laughs> no, it's, it, that's so weird. Like, I... I a friend of mine actually mentioned something to me a few years back, probably Inception era. And I was like, yeah, man, I, Christopher Nolan movies are great, but you can only watch them once, mm. you know? And like, you want, you'll never oh, watch it again. You will never watch it again. And I've, uh -uh. to this day, I won't watch Inception again. I won't watch Interstellar again. I won't watch Tenet again. I don't know. I thought about revisiting Tenet, but, um, you know, not to derail this, but it's yeah. interesting. Like the, the picking on Nolan after watching a, what yeah. I thought was a fantastic yeah, definitely Nolan best. Well, he's just an best. easy target because he's funny. He's like, other than yeah. that, but then this was a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to your to your point or your friend's point, like I actually like 
I felt Inception was difficult to watch a second time, but Interstellar I thought was better the second time. So mm. I don't know. It's kind of like a so little, you're wrong. Yeah, I yeah. might be so, objectively you know. wrong. Yeah, I know. That's no. basically what it comes down to. But you were saying you uh, you think they're mostly all great. Would you say? Uh, I, well, Interstellar is one movie I didn't like. Okay. Um, all right. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a little too self indulgent. Okay. For for my taste. Yeah. But I'm I'm much bigger Nolan fan than than you two are. Yeah, I love the first and these two fellas <laughs> yeah. over here. is incredible. Dark Knight's yeah. great. Memento. Yeah, those are yeah, good. Memento is good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even Insomnia is good. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I forgotten. Jail oh, Insomnia is maybe my right. favorite. Yeah. Towards the top, yeah. anyway. Yeah. But Chris, let's go to you another, another piece. Oh, don't yes. Evan Miller. What's your next piece? Well, one of the things around the Nolan filmography, I really thought like everything he was, he practiced, every movie he did was a practice up to this movie. Mm. Now, I know it's kind of like a, a duh statement, but there's so many things in other movies that came in through to this one. Okay. Like for the Dark Knight example, okay. like just through the whole franchise, the whole theme of escalation from Batman Begins, which is here, worry about escalation with the, the race to create the bomb. Yeah. Um, also the Dark Knight where you stick around uh, so long to be the hero. You're, you're the hero, but you stick around long enough to be the villain. Sure. Yeah, That's yeah. something no one is obsessed with. And even like the subtle shades of what's happening beginning with Robert Downey Jr.'s character and going in like he was actually, you know, orchestrating everything behind it. Uh, s- subtle shades of, you know, what's going on. We think it's this thing and then later it's something different. Yeah. And not to mention the, the sound design. You're the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it was wow. like pure, you know, Dark Knight franchise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So everything he did, I almost think like, OK, we're going to practice these eight movies to get to this epic film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say yeah. the composer's last name, but Ludwig. Oh, Ludwig was, yeah, yeah, yeah. the sound design is, is just, just in the classroom, and I'm like, yeah. I'm yeah. leaning over, and I'm like, oh, what the hell is and like, rumbling? What he really did was he made like <laughs> an against time thriller, you know, into yeah. this huge, you know, historical epic. Yeah, that's so hard to do. Which I think he did kind of poorly with Dunkirk. I think with the ticking clock music is like a little demonstrative, and Ugh. I mean, you're so boxed into this showy, meaningless exercise to where I think he brought those pieces to this in a more elegant way, not to kind of jump in there, but, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of an experiment. I think that didn't quite work for me from Dunkirk. Although I love the, the, the framework of Dunkirk and the content is really great, but just didn't just stick the landing. Well, the, the yeah. thing with Dunkirk, I mean, is that you use the word experiment. I think Dunkirk is all experiment. I don't think there's anything else. There. It's there's dime no char- tricks. The, yeah. 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 There's, there's really no story. Empty, there's, yeah. there's no character. There's nothing. It's yeah. just experiment. What if we split it up and made a clock tick? Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> It just reminded me that Dunkirk was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I saw it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I really disagree. Well, well hey, we're on I love Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you're certainly not alone. A lot of people absolutely love that movie. I think yeah. I managed to find two people who dislike it as much as I do, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I might agree with the hype that this is maybe his best film. Yeah, I don't and, know. I need some more separation of time, but yeah. I was really involved in it, and I thought it was just a good story told well. Yeah. Absolutely. This was fantastic. Uh, Chris, let's go to your next piece. All right. So the next one's going to be First Man. And I love First Man. Everyone, no one likes First Man. Nobody mm-hmm. likes Damien Chazelle like for some it. reason. You do, too? Okay. Absolutely. Oh, I love yeah. First Man. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. I, 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 I thought it was all right. I'm a fan all of right. Space Race, though. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, First Man, I mean, it's both about true life-to-life people, similar eras within 20-year periods. Another race. Major race, yeah, major technical yeah. advancement, a lot of scientists in rooms talking about doing science quickly and and well, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and also about very remote men. 
You know, that both of Neil Armstrong and Oppenheimer, we never really know what they feel. We never really know what their position is on things. But the films, why I think they excel as films, because with characters as their vehicle, is because films, in my opinion, should give the audience an opportunity to think and engage and make up your own mind about what these people are feeling, especially with these really complex things like making a nuclear weapon or going to the moon. So having these characters as the vehicle, they're remote, and they're mysterious, and it gives us the freedom to imagine how they would be feeling through this. Yeah, no, that, that's a great one. Uh, they also piss their wives off a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, this yeah. wife, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she's a bucket of laughs. Yeah. Uh, BG, you were on my uh, First Man episode back in the day. Yeah, I, I thought that film was great. I, I'm a big fan of the space race. Uh, interesting that you br- said First Man. One of my pieces, how many do we get, by the way? Two, uh, three, five? Yeah, two, three, five. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I had one <laughs> I wanted finished. to say first before that. Sorry. Sorry. Go no, no, go ahead. Mm, I, was making I, a joke. I had one I wanted to say before um, the one I'm actually going to say now. Okay. Because you mentioned first, man, the first thing that came to my mind was the right stuff, right? And not, mm. not maybe, maybe how the right stuff was depicting something like uh, that I'm, I'm very familiar with, you know, and, and like you said, the, the speed in which they're, they're having to kind of do the science and and not just come up with the not just theorize it but actually put it to practice instantly yeah, right yeah. uh to you know grissom his hatch exploding when when his capsule mm. lands in the ocean and having to blame that on some technical malfunction and nothing he did you know they obviously is depicted as fear or some sort of of action in the film but you know and it's it's interesting how that came back to bite his bite him in the ass on apollo one right and 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 um I don't know, just it had that vibe. It was very creepy. Like, you know what they're doing is is really important, but also, you know, it's it's creepy. It's scary. It is. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they really, uh, you know, you were talking about with The Dark Knight Rises, like that ramping up from beginning to end. Like, like they really set the tone for just how, like, horrific this could be. <laughs> like, if things go badly, if things go right, how horrific it could be. And yeah. so that that is, in every frame of this movie, I, I think it's there. It's Even Interstellar, over. like the end of the world and sapping the windstorm, you get that same exact scene almost here. Yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah. yeah, the dread. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Brian, let's go to you again. Even though you just brought up the right stuff, you said that's kind of like an in-between piece. Let's go to another piece. Um. Oh, okay, well. I, I had the anxiety I had watching Aronofsky's mother. Okay. But well. it really, it, like it really popped to me in two scenes. One, the scene where he's in the gymnasium or whatnot. Mm, and, yeah. You know, everyone is screaming and hollering and all you can hear is like them standing up, which mm, was really, yeah. which is very, uh, really cool sound design choice. But um, it just, it, it stood out as this really surreal moment and um, like kind of a disassociation. And it felt like every scene of Mother to yeah. me, you know, where it just like, oh, God, it just made me feel really shitty. Like every. <laughs> that, that's what he <laughs> wants to I do. I think it was yeah. meant to do that. It and was. it was it was effective. And I loved that really. about yeah. it, right? That a movie could do that, right? And I thought that this did that in that scene. And then once again, when he was being interrogated in the little room, yeah. um, you know. Where, where I guess where you could say like all the A bombs are just kind of going off yeah, sure. in the room with them, right? Yeah. Like all of those scenes. It just felt very much like Aronofsky's mother. Well, you know, I love when mother comes up on this podcast. Uh, for yeah. that scene, though, you know what I was thinking of? I wasn't going to use it as a full-on puzzle piece, but just to kind of go on top of that. Uh, but last year's Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe movie, oh. the, the scene where all the fans are just screaming and they're 
faces are kind of distorting and like they're not even people anymore like that's what that scene reminded me of yeah. and uh yeah th that's like such a horrific moment in that movie and this really mirrored that i felt a lot did you so. cry when he pulled his foot out of that charred body i didn't cry but i no. uh you know not the type of someone to elicit tears i don't think yeah i don't know i, I was which was i appreciate gross. by the way is i i think i read that's his daughter or was it the, girl? the charred body? Was yeah, his or daughter? was it the girl with the peeling face? One of them was his daughter. He cast in that role. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, Nolan's daughter. Yeah, Nolan's oh, okay. daughter. I thought you meant like yeah. was he stepping? Was Oppenheimer's? No, no, no. Daughter. Yeah, uh, Nolan's that's daughter. Weird. Yeah, didn't have a daughter. Weird, so we're weird, say, weird, we weird choices. But uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go with another one. Uh, I, so I, I was actually thinking about Terminator as a puzzle piece here because you know the idea of humans creating something that's going to be their undoing, you know? And that is like kind of the, the central theme of all the Terminator movies, not just any one particular one of them. And uh, here, you know, this is about a guy who is creating something and it's getting out of his control, basically. It's, it's by the ends, uh, it's, he's imagining all the destruction that could possibly end up happening, you know, later on down the road. And Miles on another Dyson level, Oppenheimer. Right. Miles Dyson Oppenheimer, absolutely. And right. and then uh, on top of that, uh, Terminator Two does have like the best destruction scene ever oh, with, yeah. uh, with with Judgment Day. Yeah. So I mean, that, how could you not be inspired by that day, if you're going to make an atomic bomb movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe a little outside, you know, left field here, but yeah. Terminator. And I can see Cameron in general being like a directorial influence. Yeah, that kind of large scale science fiction, more hmm. cerebral. Yeah. You know, I think Nolan kind of fits into that that world a bit. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think Nolan is on Avatar Two? Ooh, yeah. uh, I think he loves it. Probably, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. Destruction, don't visuals, <laughs> like all. all uh, you know. I don't think he's seen it. Yeah, you don't think he's seen no, it. We just saw this forty times. <laughs> yeah. M. M. Miller, you got another puzzle piece you want to throw in there? Paddington. Nice. No, I'm oh. kidding. Everyone's got to mention that movie. Yeah. Uh, I have. Can I throw two out there quick? Do it. Steal from you guys. Rapid fire. Uh, this real is a really complex story of politics mm. and big moments. So I really think JFK and Nixon. Oh yeah, yeah. those are two. Definitely. Yeah, JFK exactly. Sure. I saw that, so I took it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, especially like the the black and mm. white scenes, like the narrative going back and forth. I mean, it's really hard to tell here. And I'm glad I saw it twice because I had to write an ending explained mm. for this movie. Yeah. And I got two facts wrong. I got to change when I get home. Uh, but yeah, it was like the, the politics of, um, of like, you know, throwing someone under the bus yeah. and like getting a villain is, um, in those two and also the military industrial complex, especially with Nixon. Yeah. There's nothing like Oppenheimer can do about that. It's like, he's just a pawn in the wheel and right. Right. And yeah. Yeah. No, that's like the key thing. Like they, he can't really do anything about it once those wheels are turning. So yeah, I mean, he's just in case in point, as soon as he handed off the bomb, there's nothing he could do. Exactly. Throw that in with like an ensemble cast. I think it's like, sure. You see all these kind mm -hmm. of heavy hitters together in that oh, from like, scenario. Is that right? Josh and Peck kid was in there too? Yeah. Like, right. I, that was him, right? Yeah. yeah it's from Josh. Josh and Drake. Drake. Josh and Drake. That's yeah. it. Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh. Whatever. <laughs> I whatever it was. I don't know. I remember <laughs> the fat guy first. That was him. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I see. Yeah. I put the fat man first. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Chris, you got one more you want to throw in? Yeah, I'll just do a quick two for the obligatory ones. Uh, I'd say Dr. Strangelove and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. Dr. Strangelove, even the ending's almost the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the whole world explodes through nukes. Yeah. So we have kind of a strange love thing. I think 2001 I'd bring up because it's kind of, if you know anything about Chris Nolan, it's one of his favorite films. He's very influenced by Kubrick in general. But also the practical 
effects of the bombs, mm -hmm. I think, is reminiscent of the really advanced stuff that Stanley was doing back in the 60s for all the space effects. They were obviously not computer effects. So I think him kind of going back and doing things with miniature and unique photography tricks kind of harkens back to his one of his favorite films, 2001. And aren't we all just in the dead of 2001, really? But There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Brian, you got one more? No. All right, good. <laughs> Let's open it to the floor. Uh, does anybody have any... We've got my wife Gina's got a puzzle piece right there. What do you got? The Showtime series Homeland. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Let's hear a little bit about the connection between the two. Well, I mean, hello. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the United States of America, like proudly destroying the world. <laughs> yes. You know, like in in in. And people that are, you know, like Carrie Matheson and Saul Berenson, how they would struggle with, like, what they were doing. Like, is it for the greater good? Right. Or is it despite, you know, sacrificing some for the greater good? So. Yeah, no, absolutely. That scene uh, with the president was, was like, exactly that kind of thing. Like, like yeah. you know, just totally portraying him as somebody who just doesn't give a yeah, shit. and then just at the end, like, knowing, like, what they did was wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. No, great one. And oh, but Carrie also at the end of that series, she ends up becoming a Russian spy. Oh. She ends up working Spoiler alert. Russia. I actually didn't finish the last season. So <laughs> you haven't watched Thank it. You. Yeah. Oh. Ten, ten years Spoiler old at this point. Alert. I gotta make a pass. Rosebud <laughs> was a sled. Sorry. Uh, Gina, Gina gets 80 years ago. Her shirts here. So if anybody else has a puzzle piece, they well, get. It's not really a puzzle piece. Okay. But this guy reminded me of Willem Dafoe. I wish he had been the lead actor. Even oh, wow. Me too. Yes. Yeah. For some reason, I, I mean, I love Willem Dafoe. It's the cheekbones is what you're... you're he, yeah. He, yeah. He just reminded me of him so, so much. Yeah. And, uh, I don't watch bomb movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you name another bomb movie, Mom? I watched uh, three Sharknados the other night. There you go. Okay. Bomb Those are yeah, all bomb so movies. Exactly. Let me tell you, oh, I think Sharknado 3 is the most bomb of those. Uh, all three it's of pretty bomb. Yeah, shark yeah. Sharks in space. Yeah. How about my peeps up there? You got puzzle pieces, too. I know. Any it. puzzle pieces up there? You get a shirt. You get a whole shirt, an entire shirt. No? I don't have one puzzle piece. We got one right here, Wendy. Uh, what were you going to say? One. I was going to say it's the Okay. Oh. Name any other Terrence Malick film than <laughs> <laughs> the one Chris brought up. Jay yeah, of Life. Jay of yeah, Life. Okay. Boom. Agreed. That's a shirt right there. Wendy, what do you got? Uh, it's not really a puzzle piece. Yes, but, it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that sense of anxiety sort of, you know, got me in the same place. And then the whole dismissive nature of the government and, and some of the actions and stuff. Uh, don't look up. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. That so, totally works. That's a great puzzle so that's piece. Sort of, you, <laughs> <laughs> you get a shirt. So that sort of, you know, the sense of anxiety and, you know, all of that sort of made me think of Don't Look Up. Yeah, no, I, I love it. That, that's a, a great one to bring up here. Absolutely. Anybody else in the crowd have any other puzzle pieces? Uh, going once, going yeah, twice. Right here. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it really just feels a lot like 
great one. Like, it feels that epic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to be a historical movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is such a huge story and a huge undertaking. I mean, it's kind of no wonder it's, like, three hours and, like, such a huge cast. I mean, to tell this kind of story you got to make a big, big movie like this. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a great one, a great, like, reference point for, uh, you know, what Nolan, I think, is probably going for with a movie like this. Yeah. And it didn't feel like there was, like, dead spots where I'm just like, yeah. come on. Yeah, agreed. I don't like, think it really yeah, felt like wasted. that three hours. You know, no, there was, like, yeah. one minor dip after the mid-crescendo of the nuke, and then you're like, okay, now we're back in this little room talking about, you know. Yeah. There was, like, five minutes where I was like, oh, we lose this thing, but then it gets ramps up and gets so yeah. fascinating with uh, with uh, Downey Jr.'s aspect of it. So, no, I agree. I've seen three-hour films that feel a lot closer to three hours than this felt. This word really moved how, beautifully. How it made that small room work. Yeah, great. There Claustrophobic. Was a lot of time filming in that little room. Yeah. And, and it was, I thought it was awesome. How, I agree. You know, yeah. How you know, dramatic and you know, crazy it was in that room, too. Yeah, absolutely. They really like. They really ramped up that, that tension through that whole scene, and uh, that, that's a tough thing to do in a moment like sure. that. So. Yeah, certainly. Who absolutely. thought, who thought, what did you guys think of the kind of somewhat downplaying of the famous Bhagavad Gita line? Hmm. I am become death. Like it was just in that one moment, it was because they it's kind twice. of they well, yeah, but it, it was, was almost like a they were recalling when he said it, right? right the first right. time, right? It was like they were just replaying that. I thought it was like that's interesting. I, I think like, that was an actually a good choice because that's such the that's the biggest quote you know that we all know of Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. So to do it in a unique way or unexpected way is, is always a treat when you're not expecting yeah. something, you know, for me anyway. I wish I took Sanskrit in college. <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh in- interesting religious themes that all point to the idea of like man humanity trying to become god mm-hmm. um which also you know to you know not to bring up mother again but it's it's very sure it, it's like there was uh, obviously the pantheon the greek pantheon at the beginning you know the prometheus story the mm-hmm. bhagavad gita line which also implies the conjuring of krishna that's like it's up to you now you know what i mean like this is in your hands now right the i i um all the way to just like I said, the icky feeling it made me, it, it almost seemed like it was totally inspired in a lot of ways. By oh, we got a couple of We got two. Three. Oh my gosh. Can you go for go. four? Hopefully we got enough shirts, but let's get them all in here. What do we got, Kush? I, I don't, I didn't know the format, so I don't have a puzzle piece. Okay. I never remember a movie once I walk out the movie. Anyway, <laughs> Fair enough. I remember this one. I thought the format of discussion might have something to do with the, the story portions of it. So sure. Uh-huh. I was formulating my comments about that. And I was, I had looked up over the last week of being inundated with Oppenheimer uh, uh, discussions on, on shows and what have you. And so I started looking up why Japan was picked instead of Germany. And uh, outside of them being Asian versus European, uh, and then I read that, oh, Germany was about to surrender, and then I hear in the movie, oh, Japan was about to surrender anyway, so I wondered if there was any, were any thoughts about, about that, or any additional information that you all in particular, or anyone happened hmm. to uh, investigate or research about why Japan instead of Germany it, it, seem, it seems it seems like a cowardly thing to do, basically, right? 
Well, I think I mean the the conventional knowledge that I that I've always heard is that Germany had always had already surrendered. Yeah, Japan and was the last. They were still. They were, and you know, I I think now it's coming out and becoming more concrete knowledge that Japan was preparing to surrender, and that we did it as a show of strength, which is a tragedy. You know, you know. So pain it's down. not a real peace. Okay. At some level. Japan attacked us first, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, maybe a little revenge action. There's and maybe some a little, revenge and, and who knows, probably racism as well. I mean, these are things that are all contributing factors, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, but go on. Sorry. Yeah, my girlfriend, Virginia, may she rest. Uh -huh. uh, she and her family were moved from San Francisco into internment camps. Wow. And nothing was mentioned about that. No. Yeah. no. And she held you. <laughs> Did she drop them by chance? No, oh, that right. was my job. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think we might have an actual puzzle piece oh, up there. We got two up there. We got two. two. Because this guy here, the show of, he's a Princeton. Oh, wow. Yeah, hello. Thank you for the Princeton-based comments. We appreciate those, absolutely. Uh, up there we got some pieces. Comments. What do we got? Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, I have that. That was one of mine too. Good. I was, I was thinking about that one as well. I think that's a great one. Especially old yeah, yeah. bad makeup. A beautiful one. <laughs> yeah, the bad old makeup. Yeah. I was like, this is exactly that movie. I liked a beautiful mind more when it was called. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. Also, yeah. Princeton. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's all, yeah, there exactly. you go. It all comes back around. Yeah, John Nash. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great puzzle What's, piece. I think so you're saying people from Princeton are bad people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we got, is there another one? I think right there. In the corner, that's, when, oh, sorry. How did a genius deal with the rest of the human being that he had to work with in, yeah. in, in real life have to make things work while he um, kind of struggles with that? And the, uh, the, the scenes where he's noticing the details, like, you know, the stuff, stuffing of the classrooms and whatnot, uh, those kind of details kind of remind me of something yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, yeah, and I really loved how Nolan kind of uh, focused in on all that stuff, too, while it was happening. Like it was, you know, it was, it was a very Nolan thing to do. But it was like the way that like the room would start to like swell and stuff mm -hmm. like that as he's like really it's picking like up Batman on everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like a Batman thing for sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, what was the, what the fear was spray? <laughs> the fear spray. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice, nice. Uh, another puzzle piece, I think, right yeah. up there. More so of a book, uh, Tom Clancy's Sum of All Fears. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about this, how there's been so many young people watch movies, superhero movies, the world's always ending. And this is actually one of those times where a bomb actually dropped, the world almost ended, and most generations don't remember this. So I'm wondering, like, the, really the gravitas of this movie, if it's going to really impact young people watching this, like how close we actually were. Because I was thinking about movies like that that drop a bomb. That, I mean, you guys can tell me, is any other time in history has a bomb dropped like that in the world? Yeah. And so that's why I think this is like one of the greatest, it is the greatest biographical film ever made. Wow. Because yeah. it it's almost like a superhero action movie that actually happened, the hubris of the whole thing. Yeah. It really changed the world and changed people's minds. 
yeah. going forward. Well, and a beloved filmmaker like this and a cast like this, I mean, it has yeah. a chance to be seen by people who otherwise would just kind of be oblivious to the fact that something like this mm -hmm. exists. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we uh, Dave and I did a uh, interview to kind of promote this event, and one of the questions was, like, why the hype for this movie especially? And I actually had a hard time answering because you think, oh, why had this movie based in the... 30s and 40s about a nuclear bomb you know why are they why are younger kids going to see this versus barbie you know which is like the big internet thing of those two movies versus yeah. each other and i think it has to do with how beloved the filmmaker is but i also think there is kind of a quest for this kind of knowledge they they, they i think that there's something so frightening about it that it, it does draw people in kind of a morbid way yeah, mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about rigging like a slime that would fall on the first person who mentioned Barbie during this podcast. Oh but, yeah, man! Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but everyone go see Barbie. We're seeing it tomorrow. So yeah. uh, we both wore pink. In spirit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, good. good the good, mutually good assured there. Barbie destruction and uh, <laughs> or whatever. What's the war? Yeah, no, it, what are they calling it? Uh, Barbenheimer? Barbenheimer. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Well, we think, all just got slammed. I think that's a good place to wrap up Oppenheimer here, uh, guys. I want you to plug your stuff to everybody who's here and everyone who listens at home. And then Miller, let's start with you. Uh, you can catch my review of this movie at ReadySteadyCut.com. Go to it. Don't read it. Just click it a thousand times. That's all the <laughs> website cares about. So please go right ahead. Fair enough. Okay. Chris. Uh, well, right now you can go to chriscranock.com. You can get my name and the spelling and everything on the site and on the promotion stuff. You can see the films I've made. Um, we're just in post-production right now with my debut feature-length motion picture called L'Impostier du 16 Rue Ravignon. You can remember that. It's a French title, but just call it L'Impostier. And uh, it's based on a play that I wrote that's getting produced in France. So we're adapted it into a feature-length film. And that should be wow. hitting uh, film festivals in 2024. And then hopefully some type of release where you guys will be able to watch it. So you can follow me on social media by my name and chriscranach.com. Cool. Um, and I was introduced as a musician, but I also work for the City of Las Vegas programming uh, events. I'm the chair of the programming committee for the Las Vegas Book Festival. I do encourage you all to make it out this year. It's in October. It's a ways away, but our headliners, we do have Terry McMillan as one of our headliners, as well as Malcolm Nance, if you're into uh, you know, national security and I mean, the dude fought in Ukraine recently, which wow. is really impressive. So wow. yeah, I hope you make it out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there'll be links in the show notes for all of that. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for being here. We are going to be doing another one next month, August 17th, back here at Maya Cinemas on Strays, the raunchy dog, talking dog movie. It's quite the drug. Oh, yeah. We're Even going more from, important than this film. Yeah, yeah we're going awesome. from this to that. And uh, my mom will be one of the guests on that one, so you definitely don't want to miss it. So. I thought it was because you were a stray. <laughs> Hi, this is Wax Tracks Records here on 2909 South Decatur. We buy all your old 45s, your old albums, any type of music memorabilia. Also, we sell music memorabilia, albums, CDs, and a lot. Come on down to Wax Tracks, 2909 South Decatur, or give me a call at 702-362-4300. Thank you very much. 
All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Oppenheimer. It was a fun night out there at Maya Cinemas. Hopefully you'll make it out to the next one, which will be on August 17th. It's another Thursday. We are doing strays, like I said. we got a great lineup for that one, too. I'll be announcing more about the show and our guest lineup and all that in the next week or so. Uh, but save the date. It will be back at Maya Cinemas on August 17th, and I can't wait. It is going to be such a fun one. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, uh, you could also rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts, Good Pod, Spotify. I appreciate the five-star ratings and reviews. You know, the, the more that it looks like there's lots of ratings and reviews. The more the companies that let me do things will let me do more things, and then we'll keep making this show bigger and better for everybody. So drop those ratings and reviews. I do appreciate it. Also follow me on the social medias and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And one other thing before we wrap this thing up, uh, you heard during the conversation I was giving out T-shirts, Oppenheimer T-shirts. Well, I still have three left. And I want to test you to see if you're actually still listening to this podcast after the main conversation and hearing my song at the end and all that stuff that I always do at the end. So if you're hearing this and you want a free Oppenheimer t-shirt, just message me. That's it. That's all you got to do. The first three people who do it are going to get a free t-shirt. So message me either you know on Twitter, Facebook, email me, bydavidrosen at gmail.com, however you get in touch with me. I want to see who's actually still listening at the end of these episodes. So get a free t-shirt, get in touch. So uh, we will have an episode on Barbie coming up uh, after this, of course, with the whole Barbenheimer thing. And then we've got a whole bunch more piecing it together on the way. So make sure you are subscribed. Let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And uh, Oppenheimer being such a big, huge movie for this year, why not close us out with a preview of a new song? This will be something that will be released next year. I'm not quite ready to announce what my plans are music-wise, but this will be part of my next year's plans. So uh, this song is like, I'd say about like 90% done or something, 95% done maybe. Eh, maybe back it down to 88%. I don't know. We'll see once I get back on my computer and start tinkering with it more. But uh yeah, this will be out next year. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.